G'day, friends of the show. I just wanted to pop into your ears really quickly and share some exciting news. I have quit my day job. That's right. I'm hitting this podcasting thing full time to dive deeper into the challenging ideas that divide us and make even more content. So if you're enjoying the show and you want to show your support, then there is a few things you can do, different tiers of involvement, if you will. You could, one, become a super friend of the show. You could sign up, go to ideasdigest.org, become a plus member, get exclusive access to uncut content, full interviews, and you can help shape the show there. Uh, You could buy us a coffee, full disclosure. Uh, I've had some pushback through the messages there from some people who know me quite well. I won't spend the money on coffee uh, because I don't drink coffee. Don't judge me. Finally, if you're strapped for the cash but enjoying the podcast anyway, you could rate and review, share the show with your mum, your dad. I'm sure mums love me, so definitely share it with your mum or just rate it five stars on iTunes. iTunes, no, that's old. Who's on iTunes anymore? Rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps. So thank you all for being such great friends of the show and enjoy the episode. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being. To who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas. These things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back to another episode of the Ideas Digest podcast, where we explore the challenging ideas that divide us and the ideas that surround us. My name's Conrad. And this is Matt. Sometimes I give the intro and I like to lead the podcast with saying, you know, we fear no idea, Matt. We fear no idea. But I'm telling you right now, if I was to fear an idea... It would be this one. It's this idea. And it's it, the clickbait would be something like COVID vaccines and the truth. Now, wow. I, that's a scary idea for me to dive into. 100%. Lives are at risk. You know, when we're exploring like demons and near-death experiences, it's uh, a lot more benign than um, vaccines. Yes. But no less divisive, you would say. Yes. And I feel like... <laughs> I feel like... On the level of religion grade divisive. Like yeah. if, if your experience has been like me, Matt, everyone you're around is on this spectrum. And on one end, you've got pro-vax and like down the party line government. I'm with everything 100%. And on the other end, you've got the anti-vax QAnon global conspiracy. And everyone I've met is somewhere on this l- massive spectrum. And if you are even two points apart, you are enemies. You yeah. are the polarized enemy. So it's that division that has drawn me to really dive into this idea. And I thought I really want to understand the, I suppose, the ground level maybe of the COVID conspiracy or anti-vax camp, the stereotype we kind of label everyone with. Hopefully we'll, just, we'll unpack some of, some of that stuff. I've, I, found, I feel like I found the ground level book. It's selling really popular right now. And I gave it, listen, I gave it a good crack. Um, have you heard of this book, Matt? The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Less familiar with the book, but very familiar with the person who wrote it. So I'm very, very interested as to what you found out, found out through this because, it, yeah, he's a guy that perplexes me, but also I'm inspired by it at the same time. So 
the listeners may not be aware, but my other in my actual life, um, I run a health and wellness company with my wife. So I'm very familiar with a lot of. We're in the natural health space, so he's a bit of a legend in our space. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. in to many people's eyes, and someone that I followed his work from afar, and particularly around his like um, petitioning. He's he's, an, he's a lawyer, correct? Yes, a lawyer. Yeah. Great grandson. Or grandson. Yeah, connected with the Kennedys. Yeah, so I've heard him speak at a conference live um, and that was interesting. And I've also, um, yeah, his work with glyphosate, I've actually really respected in terms of, you know, working with the people. So that's like a chemical in... Yeah, so glyphosate is a wheat, like Roundup basically. And so a lot of people coming forward with cancer claims Mm -hmm. and um, obviously Bayer, the people that now own it, uh, Bayer bought... Um, Monsanto and so for a multi-billion uh-huh. deal and it's actually cost him a lot of money now because so many people are coming forward for cancer claims so I've really respected his work mm-hmm. in that space but I've also known when I actually heard him present I, I knew it was also about vaccines as well so there's this uh, yeah right. I, I'm in the, my typical Matt Potts dissonance of like ping pong of, yes. uh, of my, my different extremes um, yeah, so I'm yes. very, I'm very curious what you got out of this book. Oh man, <laughs> like I'm glad you, you're coming into it with some heavy nuance on the guy himself because that's exactly like my experience reading this whole book. I'll give you the subtext of the book. Are you ready? Big farmers, global war on democracy, humanity, and public health. So wow, if that doesn't give you a bit of a summary on, and and I tell you what, uh, this isn't a plug for the book. But I bought it for like three bucks. The the uh the the Kindle version, real nice. cheap. This thing's this thing's handed out like candy, I think. And, but and I've also in, in the time I started reading it to do an episode on, I've come across multiple people who are very familiar with this book and are reading it. And I'm like, okay, I've really got to get into this because obviously, you know, everyone's talking about COVID now. Everyone's talking about the tribes that have formed around 100%. pro-vax, anti-vax. Um, lockdown mandates, protests going on in Canada or Australia. So it's really topical, which is why I'm really apprehensive at just diving in here. Because as soon as you you begin to talk this topic, the politicized labels and um, categories, you and I are going to... We try to duck and weave these categories and see what people are seeing. But I think we'll find out in the backlash to this to see how people. <laughs> we'll really see how the uh, the family, the Ideas Digest family, where they sit on the, um, you could say, the natural health spectrum. Yes. yes. They've put up with us going into demons. They're like, demons I can handle. But, you know, you guys have just like anything health related is off topic. You bunch of weirdos. That's what I'm, I'm imagining right now. The um the, the iTunes review, which by the way, you should leave us one. Definitely. So maybe not after this episode, leave it right no, now. No, 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 you... Unless you're an anti-vaxxer. The anti-vaxxers go for gold. <laughs> go whenever you want. Okay. So I, I was like, okay, what kind of disclaimers are we coming at it? You like my, my field, obviously not science, not anything, a bit of economic study, bit of a teacher. Like the whole, the whole debate on, on the nitty-gritty of the studies, the research, the this, the that, the, the things that people like to say, oh, it's facts, it's this. I'm going to admit from the top, that just freaking went over my head. And I'm coming at this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a synopsis of this from what I gathered. 
a 1,000 foot flyover. You can kind of see some mountains. Maybe there's a forest over there. This thing's flying fast and it's flying over the top. And I'm trying to focus on the story element of it because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, I'm not a friggin' researcher. I don't understand science. I don't understand what makes a good study, a good trial, a, a good you know pharmacology of a certain drug and a virus. I don't know nothing. So whatever somebody's going to tell me that's long, scientific, and boring, I'll believe you, mate. It's boring. Sounds sounds about right to me. I got nothing. But the story is very interesting and Matt it is very compelling so yeah, right. are you you want me to just get into it yep I'm ready to become an anti-vaxxer if this was an altar call I'd be um I'd be lining up I'd be like maybe I'd just be warming myself up stretching the arm ready for the hand up ready for the go towards the front oh if I was about to deliver a sermon I know I'm gonna get at least a couple of hundred people you get a few hands for this one okay all right this cool. is like this is very this is very compelling and I want you to notice like what I felt as I was going through this I was like like a bit of fear, a bit of like, whoa, that is true. Oh, so maybe. Mm. Oh. And then it's like, super, I just noticed how compelled I was. So let me try and convey that to you, um, what I found compelling about it. Some probably read the book and be like, Conrad's missed the whole point. This is what I got from it. So here we go. The whole thing begins. Uh, and I've put little subtitles as I move through this very, very complex, convoluted web of a million different things. Broken government agencies. This whole COVID thing began... Matt, not in 2019. Oh, no. But 40 years ago in the 1980s, beginning of the 1980s, 1980s, there was a consistent attack. So this is Robert kind of telling the story. I'm making it much more of a story. But it began with a consistent attack on government agencies by generally Republican politicians, so the more conservative side of the American uh, political system. They were attacking these agencies like the Environmental Protection Agencies, USDA, all these bodies that kind of regulate industry and companies hey you can't pollute that river hey don't do that you know the government agencies bit of a thorn in the side to these corporations and the republicans were kind of chipping away at this being like you know you've heard the argument no too much red tape slowing down innovation killing the economy this is in the 90s 80s these corporations started to go that's it we've got to start chipping away at this this red tape brought to us by government agencies and Like, you've watched the Netflix docuseries that, you know, these rascally banks, cigarette companies, oil companies, they're always trying to break the rules and do what they can to get around it. So one of the things they've been doing, lobbying politicians to try and make the rules better for them. Nothing controversial so far, I don't think. You know, we, if you've watched Dope Sick, you know, that's another great thing of how, you know, the regula- regulatory body got kind of overwhelmed by corporate money. Um, so... In the 90s, 1980s, this trend of weakening legislation, defanging, like taking consequences of what the government can do to these industries that break the rules, like pollute or put out a harmful product, they kind of got weaker and weaker. And one of these agencies that got weaker and weaker was the FDA. The Food and Drug Administration um, regulates different drugs that are released to the market because obviously you need to make sure they're safe to get on there. And at, in the 90s, 80s, apparently this, the FDA was too bureaucratic, too many rubber stamps to hit on the yellowed pieces of paper. And it slowed down the approval of the drugs that were kind of coming out. People needed drugs to help them with certain medical conditions. And this, this was just too slow. This whole system was too slow and bureaucratic. And one of the reasons is not enough money. That's the classic number one of how to kind of hamstring these companies. Just don't give them enough money and they become less effective. And so they... They wanted to solve this problem and they thought, well, I guess they being the Republicans or the Democrats, the polit- politicians go, okay, we need to fund the FDA. Let's um, make the drug companies 
whose drugs they are approving, let's make them pay the FDA to approve their drugs. Now, according to Robert, this was the beginning of the bad incentive structure that has forever stuffed up the FDA's ability to be impartial when it comes to regulating and approving drugs. So the stat he drops today is that 45% of the FDA's annual budget comes from pharma companies. And so he asserts that these um, the attaching the money incentive structure coming from approving drugs and these pharma companies doing it, it kind of makes the FDA more friendly to pharma being like, oh yeah, we'll slip in this study. Yeah, that's fine. We'll kind of approve this rubber stamp, rubber stamp because our money comes from you. Are you with me so far, Matt? 100%. No, this is, this is really interesting. You, you can tell me when you start to go, all right, this gets, I feel like I'm in non-controversial like land right now. Like everyone's like, yeah, sure. This is happening like all over the world. Yeah, industry capture it happens across all industries, you know. From yeah. mining to, you know, defense, yeah. you know, it, it's the more lobbying power you have in government, the more you can get your contracts through. So it makes sense, I guess, from a pure capitalistic or free market perspective that stuff like this happens. We're at conspiracy level one here. Like everyone's on board with this. We're all like, yep, we see it happening. All right. Take me to level 10. My conspiracy, my conspiracy thing is just like starting to warm up. You're starting to power me up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're on board so far. This is how it comes. Like 100%. a little bait and hook, like more bigger and better sausages come down the line as you, as you chomp along like Pac-Man. Um, okay. N- not a great analogy, but all right. Robert claims he, his direct claim is he, they turn these, the FDA into sock puppets for the very industry Congress charged them with regulating nothing more than subsidiaries of big pharma. So he's very bold in his claim, nothing more than subsidiaries of big pharma. Um, and I, I did. I tried to do a bit of fact checking along the claims. I was like, oh, "All right, like, is this forty-five percent of the FDA's budget? You know, like some simple fact checking to see if that's true." Yeah, it, it's loosely kind of true. Like, um, they're like, "Oh, yeah, forty percent for this drug, forty-five percent for this drug." But let's say roughly true. In in the fact check, it was interesting that um, in the fact check that I was checking, it goes, "But the FDA states that this money does not influence them at all." I'm like, cool fact. Like they just, all right, they said it must be true. Yeah. The guy that they put on the board of the FDA. Yeah. They gave him the script. (laughs) PR agency from, you know, Pfizer and and everything wrote that for him. Star Wars sideswipe into a parallel story. Okay. It's a dimly lit office cubicle, a man filing paperwork, you know, real depressing scene, faded red lamp in the corner, yellow documents on the pages. Um, We're in the Pentagon, Matt, and the phone rings. Picks up the phone. Hello? Oh, who is it? It's the CIA, Matt. That's where my story ends. It's just the CIA. I was hoping it was going to be aliens, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's the different department. Um, so I was trying to just dramatize the fact that the Pentagon and the CIA used to do research together all the time on bioweapons because, of course, they did. Like, why, why wouldn't they? You know, CIA, they got to develop weapons. Bioweapons is part of that. I'm pretty on board with that. Conspiracy level one, I still feel like that. Apparently... After the anthrax attacks that happened, what, early 2000s, I think? I can't remember exactly. I just remember being a kid and hearing the word anthrax and then making jokes in the playground about envelopes and stuff. Um, that's the extent of my knowledge there. Apparently, the Pentagon was then banned from, from doing these bioweapon research. But there was a loophole, as there always is with these government regulations that pop through. And... The CIA and Pentagon could do something, not for bioweapons, but could do something called dual research. So if they could somehow create a product that was beneficial 
that came out of the process of developing a bioweapon or vice versa. They create something and then they get a bioweapon as a side product. That's allowed because, you know, you're going to get something else out of it. And this is where we come to uh, triggering phrase number one if you're following any of the news. This is where the Pentagon or CIA began to do what's called gain-of-function research. So if you're following the, the hot topics on the news, this was a big thing of like the Wuhan lab leaks. Now we're getting into it, where this is was kind of all Senator coming Senator Paul? I, can't, so, I forget the exact person that was the whole... Rand like, Paul. Rand Paul, yeah. There's that clip of Rand Paul and Fauci and he's like, no, you're doing gain-of-function and Fauci's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're all like, I don't know what anyone's talking about. So apparently this is what it was. The gain-of-function was this dual-purpose research that out of one end, the positive end, you would get vaccines approved but on the tail end you'd get bioweapons a la coronaviruses to use against whatever population you're trying to destroy i feel like we're at level two or three conspiracy here because you know as far as i understand about like these agencies they've been they do this stuff kind of they're always developing weapons and all this stuff and look at every country with nuclear weapons matt what do they have oh we have nuclear power we just want clean energy hang on how come you got nuclear Mm. weapons as well so that seems to be that dual dual purpose research thing but the pentagon has a problem uh they have a problem because if they're doing dual research everyone knows they're doing it for bioweapons come on pentagon you know you know you don't care about vaccines you're after one thing so who do they call matt they're going to pick up the phone they call one man who do you think that is fauci it is the devil himself in our story anthony fauci yes the head of the nih the the health um body of, of america the head of this agency that has been defanged and turned into the lapdog of big pharma and i guess they pick up the phone yeah get anthony how's your family how's everything going oh yeah cool could you just kind of shunt along some of this coronavirus researchers for wink wink vaccines and then just tell us what pops out the other end bio weapon wise and then fauci being the devil in this story says hells yeah like what's in it for me they say a crap ton of money and he goes i'm in I'm in. Um, I'm adding all this just to try and base it together. Um, so then Fauci starts to fund using public funds to like look after Americans' health to approve grants to approve this dual research for like vaccines and other pharma drugs. But it's it's like a front for bioweapons. And the trail he he drops all these like really specific details that I've I'll name drop a bit here and people can Google different names. Um, he's like he approved like heaps of grants for a guy called Ralph Barrick who apparently worked out how and this is close to what he was saying. I know what none of it means by the way. Who he he this Ralph Barrick guy managed to switch a spike protein that so that it would usually only infect bats. He switched it so it could only infect humans. Mm, Sounds like coronavirus Mm. now. And then this Ralph guy was so genius that he managed to make the process of this undetectable. So as far as I understand, this whole Wuhan lab leak versus did it come from bats, scientists can look at that virus or whatever and look at it and go, has this been tampered with? And so that's why there's the debate going, no, no, we've been doing research. It could have leaked from a lab. But then some scientists look at it going, no, there's no evidence of tampering. It's got to have come from the natural thing. So apparently, according to Robert, this Ralph guy managed to hide his tampering with it. So if these scientists looked at it and said, looks natural, oh, Ralph fooled you. It was never na- like he did that. Okay. Just really, yeah. This Ralph guy then teams up with or is in partnership with or, as Robert says, um, taught 
this person called Xi Jing Li uh, this process, and to and, and they that person is Chinese, and then now China's got a hold of this, and they apparently, according to Robert, quote, went dark for a couple of years developing bioweapons, mm. being funded by Fauci, and now that pieces all together what Rand Paul's talking about, gain of function. You funded the Wuhan, and they were doing bioweapons, and it leaked from the lab, and then you got other people going, that's crazy conspiracy. That's kind of this portion of the story. Any questions or thoughts thus far? No, it's it's good. It's it's it's. I guess it's it's heading in a direction you would, you know, you could possibly guess. Like you know, this has been some, you know, <laughs> yeah, precise yeah. you know connection that was made, and we know definitely it was Fauci, and we definitely know it was the mm-hmm. CIA. We are, we basically have unless he mm-hmm. like it would be very curious what the footnotes looked like in this book because was this like you know like. Um, footnote number 20, you know, like connected with like blogger, mum blogger, you know, like I'd love to know his, uh, his sources and stuff on this because, you know, it, that's like, how, how is he privy to this information? <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you right now, footnotes are overwhelming. So, you know how gone are the days where you just look at a blog and go, mate, there's no citations. This is a joke that linked to an obvious conspiracy blog. This is like, he's linking scientific studies of which I'm instantly bored and do not understand them instantly. So I kind of find myself going, well, if he says that's what that says, I don't understand it. I don't see it. So his citations are friggin' extensive, which to the lazy person, the shorthand might be, well, it must be legit. If he's got that many citations, it must be legit. Um, the, uh, The entry point has kind of been laid so far. Now we come to the second evil entity of our story. Big Pharma still roughly in the 1980s here, over the next 30 years from the 1980s kind of till now. Government agencies that are supposed to be tasked with improving the health of everyday Americans has become, according to Robert, an incubator for pharma companies and mainly focus on the production of new drugs that are profitable rather than solutions that improve other health outcomes. So this is is what um, Robert describes the process as. And it's kind of getting into the weeds, but I'm trying to show how kind of legit all this sounds, all these steps, all these things that when I was clicking all these citations, I'm like, well, I guess, yeah, that, that dot is true and that dot is true and that dot is true. So I wonder if the picture he's painting, is that also true? That's kind of how we step into different, different levels of conspiracy. So he would say um, the NIAID labs that uh, I guess the National Institute for something, what is it? <laughs> Uh, Health. There's NIH and then there's NIAID. And Fauci's the head of NIAID. Oh, NIAID. But I think that's under the NIH. Right. So I, yeah. I could okay. very quickly look up the the thing. But Fauci's the head of NIAID, which is meant to look after the sure. health of different Americans, approval process of drugs, all that kind of stuff. You can clearly tell my level of expertise on this one. But I'm just the layman wading into the depths of, of information slash mis- misinformation here. So in these NIAID labs... These government-funded labs, there are apparently thousands of samples of every single kind of disease you can think of. It's got corona, SARS, all the big hits of, of viruses are there. And what these scientists do is they test different compounds against these different viruses. If, they, if the compound kills the virus, they put it in a rat. If it kills the virus and doesn't kill the rat, bang, time for phase one trials. So then 
NIAID, then, so Fauci's division, then funds universities and pays universities tons of money to then study this kind of thing that they've discovered. They go, we think this direction is the way to go. We've done this pre-trial. Can you do phase one studies on like a sample size of 100 people and some animal studies? And the more people you recruit to that will make you rich because of it. So now more financial incentives. Um, and then once the universities do that, the dean apparently gets a bit of money. The university gets a bit of money. So now you're going, oh, hang on. Is the whole scientific process corrupted by this thing called Fauci money? Um, and then they succeed in those trials and it goes to phase two. Then they hand that research over to our best pals at Pfizer, Moderna, these big pharma behemoths. And they do these large scale trials that we saw for like the vaccines and things. They just roll it out, you know, 15,000 people. Let's see the impacts. Let's run some numbers. And then Fauci, according to Robert, super friendly, holds their hand as he walks them through the approval process. Oh, just watch your step here. Just step over this. Give us this piece of paper. We'll rubber stamp it on your way into profit land. Um, and then at the end of the whole process, apparently the profit and the patent the patent is divvied up between the drug companies, NIAID, which is Fauci's division, and universities. So everyone kind of has a stake now in this drug being widely used and widely uh, doled out to just maximize as many profits as possible. Yeah, this is, this is actually, yeah, this is interesting. The vaccine thing is like a, a real long con is basically like an epic long con. Of, well, not a, you wouldn't say a con, but just... You know, in terms of it's like a bank robbery, this thing's been planned for years. That's exactly right. The vaccine, apparently this is the goldmine of profitable, patentable therapeutics. And so pharma companies and, and he drops this stat a lot and I have tried to do my best at fact checking it. And as far as I can tell, at least for some things, it's true. Robert's always saying pharma companies cannot be sued by any harm caused by their vaccines. And, and I remember back when Pfizer first got approval, pre-approval in America, I remember hearing from like some kind of data analyst that I've kind of followed for a while. I would trust him. So anyway, that's me trusting some other guy. He was saying, yeah, that's actually true. That actually like they, 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 their liability was waived, especially because of this like provisional approval kind of stuff. Because apparently COVID's right. such a risk. It's like we want to... We want to make sure they put out their vaccines and not discourage it for any for any uh, reason. So, and as like, and that that seems like a bit of a problem because if you watch the show I mentioned before, Dope Sick, have you watched that, Matt? No, I've heard. I've seen the, the trailer. Dope. That looks awesome. Yeah, like Dope Sick kind of walks through a lot of this stuff, and it essentially goes, um, you know. They produced this pill, said it was not addictive, turned out it was addictive. Now they're going through heaps of class actions, getting sued because they lied, they misled, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, no one ends up in prison. This is America, mate. This is the home of capitalism. If you're making money off people, you can't end up in prison for that. But so that apparently wouldn't happen to Pfizer if it turns out that the Pfizer COVID vaccine was dodgy, killed a bunch of people, they wouldn't get in trouble for it, apparently. So here... In a quick one, you might be thinking, okay, why does everyone hate this Fauci guy? What's the big, like, there's, there's a, this whole book outlines the chapters upon chapters about why Fauci is the devil. And one of the things I gleaned from this is the reason he's so evil and he's the one that is synonymous with just destroying democracy in the, the world is because his job was supposedly to make America, America healthier and to stop and prevent diseases that kill people every day. And so according to... Um, According to Robert, 
since 1989, uh, autoimmune diseases have skyrocketed, allerg- allergic, chronic illnesses, obesities, diabetes, pre-diabetes have just gone through the friggin' roof where it's like 85% of American citizens um, are, will be overweight and things like that. So he's, he's pretty mo- in some of his accusations, that's, that's a heavy one where he's like, you've spent all your time developing profitable drugs and working on viruses that can make you a profit rather than trying to solve these massive pandemic level health crises that happen across, uh, happening across America right now. And then he goes even further. And this is where it's like, it's choose your adventure. Like you can go into a hundred different rabbit holes where Robert will assert that um, these diseases are attributable to, you know, glyphosate like you're talking about that you mentioned the additives like gmo tampering vaccines um fire retardants so he's pointing at the environment saying these are causing this massive spike in and now we're playing the anti-vax best of album even autism the increase of autism yeah is linked to um so it's like it's everything it's like the things I'm talking about, which I feel like people will be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm kind of with you so far. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then he'll like, he'll be like, drop the data being like, these trials were problematic for these reasons, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of, there's so much to go in on. I guess I'll keep kind of going through the story aspect of the coronavirus emphasis in, in this book. Because I mean, it's too, it's too much. It's too much. A quote from the book. Dr. Fauci has deliberately and systematically used his staggering power over federal scientific research, medical schools, medical journals, and the career of individual scientists to derail inquiry and obstruct research that might provide answers to these health problems and things like that. So, like as you can tell from that excerpt, this guy is eloquent. He's great at constructing an argument. He's clearly a lawyer. He's a very powerful, powerful storyteller. We know what's coming now with this perfect storm of deregulated government agencies, profit-driven drug models. Here we go. Let's go for the mother of all cons. It's October 2019. October. Mm. Does that ring a bell? I don't know. Maybe it's close to a date that will ring a bell. About 50 people sit in a room. And in the middle of that room sit a panel of about 10 to 15 men and women. And... uh, on this panel, there's representatives for the Gates Foundation, a woman called Avril Hain, who's from the CIA. Uh, the lads from Big Tech are there. Mark, how are you? Oh, he's not there. Representative for, the, for Big Tech is there. A bloke called George Gale, which is the head of the Chinese CDC, like the Center for Disease Control, but China, China branch, and a massive projector screen. They're all watching it. And on the screen is this, is this pretend dramatized news anchor talking about this virus that's sweeping the world. It's a coronavirus, Matt. Hang on, but it's October 2019. It hasn't even begun yet. And this news anchor is talking about the people that are dying. What's going to happen? And, it, and this woman news anchor ends the broadcast saying, what can be done? And then the panel all turn to each other and all of a sudden it gets boring again because it's a bunch of people in suits sitting around with little name plates and microphones. And someone from the FDA pipes up, well, I suppose research into vaccines for this would be really helpful. And then big tech talk up, yes, information is going to be an interesting portion of this argument. And so what it is, it's, it's like a war room type game scenario for a global pandemic. This meeting is called Event 201, Matt. You can hmm. YouTube this and watch the very boring proceedings of this very boring war game scenario where it's a bunch of heavies from banks and 
you know, business world, government world, all getting together, discussing what would be done in this hypothetical scenario that something like a coronavirus would take over the world. And guess what, Matt? September 2019 is when COVID is thought to have begun. Obviously, January is when the world, uh, January 2020 is when the world's like, oh, crap, there's a, there's a coronavirus that's legit we got a lockdowns begin vaccine research begins businesses close churches close vaccines get developed and they get rolled out then they get mandated and we end where we are where we are today coincidence matt are you have i how much fear are you feeling right now yeah i mean it's you've done a good job at just sort of get taking us the flyover of what how this, you know, and I, and I guess I'm just trying to put myself in someone's situate, uh, shoes that's watching a YouTube video of this, um, of someone that's just watching this information come together and being like, oh, this sounds plausible. Like, you know, particularly when you're dealing with like, uh, you know, I guess the, 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 you would say the train of logic is extremely plausible, how this could happen. And you wouldn't put it past humans to do it in the name of greed. We've done much worse things in the name of greed. So... What about you as you're reading this? Are you just going, you know, are you, you're sucked in at this point or how's, you know, because I know like skeptical Conrad's pretty strong at times. <laughs> as I'm reading it, he's hitting on all the, all my personal touch points. You know, I like to listen to a bit of Freakonomics podcast. I like exploring the world of economics. And this guy is hitting on, on, the, on the greatest hits of like what I would deem the problems of society, money and politics. And this guy is hitting on it. And so what he's doing is like he's ringing these bells of truth within me as I read. I'm like, that is freaking true. That's mm. true as well. well. Of course, I mean, it happened with the opium epidemic, killing hundreds of thousands. And we still mm. don't really hear about it on the news about how many Australians are dying from these ODs on like Oxy and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I'm like, I That's know disgusting. that to be very true and non-conspiratorial. So I'm kind of at this point, Matt, like I'm very aware of how I'm feeling, which is very like, a bit like, holy crap, like, if this is true, then why wouldn't everything else he's saying be true? Why wouldn't yeah. it go as far as an almost... Because that scenario I just gave to you, oh, they're preparing war games for this. One interpretation of that event is the obvious one, that is, they planned this whole thing, Matt. It leaked from a lab. They planned this whole damn thing. And they being these rich elites that are you know, mm. siphoning all the money. And you go, Conrad, what, like, why would that happen? So as I begin to try and critically think, but I'm really absorbed by this story, um, you go, oh, well, what evidence is there that, you know, these elites are doing it? I'll give you the hard, solid facts that are non-disputed, that every progressive, uh, politically engaged person will notice. In 2020, we saw the largest transfer of wealth in human history from small business and individuals they lost $3.7 trillion while billionaires gained 3.9. And you can look this up. Elon Musk wealth 20, 2019 V2021, it went up to 30 to 40%. Now, if I personally got a 40% pay rise, Matt, I'd be calling you and be like, Matt, I'm freaking rich now. I got 40% on my like measly salary. That's heaps. So imagine mm. when your wealth's like whatever Elon Musk is, like in the billions. Um, this is this is what has happened. So then the then the... The, the, the thinking becomes like, well, who, who else is kind of in on this and, and profiting on it? And then you get to the whole big tech. Now you've got big tech at that table, at that round table. What were they saying? They were saying, we need to control information. The misinformation we need to suppress. 
the good information we need to do. And now all of a sudden you've got what every person at every rally is yelling, freedom of speech, you're shutting me down. And this is kind of what Robert would assert. He's saying he's being shut down. His, his channels are being removed from YouTube. He was kicked off Twitter, wasn't he? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. We need a fact check. Wouldn't be surprised. His interviews with some people on podcasts is still on YouTube. So if this censorship is happening, it's not doing a very good job because I I watched him chat to some other bloke about this, all this stuff as well. So um, then we get to what Robert describes. Like once again, I put it in his very compelling and elegant words. So it was back. It was uh, Instagram. Instagram kicked him off. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Robert says, suddenly those trusted institutions like university research, governments, seem to be acting in concert to larger fear, promote obedience, discourage critical thinking, and herd 7 billion people to march to a single tune, culminating in mass public health experiments with a novel, shoddily tested, improperly licensed technology, so risky that manufacturers refused to produce it unless every government on earth shielded them from liability. Now, I feel like even when I read his quotes, I have softened what he's saying. I have made it like a very mainstream, wow. compelling story. But then his, like throughout the book, he's a sent, like you can hear the motive in that. Yeah. You can hear it's like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even do this until the liability was waived. Like it's almost like, I suppose now we're at conspiracy level, like eight. We've got to be like, <laughs> where, where would you put it? It's yeah. It's getting up there now. I mean, I'm just waiting for the, you know, satanic rituals and, you know, <laughs> to kick in. That's basically level uh, nine, ten. Yeah, yeah. That's like the QAnon nine, ten, which I think from what I've read, I'm a newbie to this Robert F. Kennedy. I haven't found him that far, um, that far yet. So I'll, I'll just kind of wrap this up because, I mean, I could keep going and spell out these, his different position on vaccines. And this. clearly he thinks vaccines are ineffective. They don't work. They're a scam to make money. Um, it causes autism. He's got those classic playlists, but then he's pulling at the storytelling heartstrings of, of, of how our democracies seem to be at the mercy of corporations. And I'm like, damn, like, I know this. It, it, oh, like, that sounds so compelling because in so many areas, like fossil fuel in Australia, if you're an Australian and you look at the fossil fuel, you, you know old ScoMo is taking some sweet, sweet cash and you can look it yeah. up in the, in the records of the elections when they have to release it every three years or whatever. So I'll, I'll paint for you the, the picture that ultimately this book kind of leads to the, the future. If you don't stand up now, Matt, you've got to fight for freedom right now because by, let's say by 2050, according to Robert, Matt, you're going to have a card. You're going to be going to the airport. They'll say, are you quadruple octuple whatever eight or ten how many vaxes have you got oh you're unvaxed you're not going anywhere mate and you know what we have a digital currency now it's 2050 haven't you heard governments have cryptoized their currency and now if you don't have your shots mate matt we're going to limit your purchase purchase behavior within 5k's of your home we're going to put you in a financial lockdown because this card has has your vax we've got a surveillance state with like facial recognition you can't buy train tickets actually sounds like exactly what was tr- being trialed or is being trialed in China at the moment. They have a s- similar system. Um, but yeah, and if and then they'll track you, they'll tax your money. And if you don't comply, mate, they will stop you from engaging in society. So if you do not stand up right now, Matt, against this tyranny 
this attack on democracy, this attack on your freedom, this attack on your health, and this large-scale profiteering at the health of everybody, it's over. How scared are you? I mean, yeah, what you're saying is plausible. If you look at, you just mentioned the Chinese surveillance state aspects of this, and you can look into the Uyghur people, right? Genocide, I would classify it as genocide. So many people around the world are classifying what's happening there as genocide, and we need to be doing something about it, but obviously China's so powerful. And China's been selling this tech all around the world um, and making enormous buck out of it. So their surveillance tech is unparalleled. It's insane. It's, there. it's driven by mm. the most advanced AI we have. And it's scary. You know, if you there's some books you can read or whatever, you go deep into that. So to then to say, you could say like cities like London, one of the most surveillance um, cities in the world. This is not what a is complete it? stretch. Like in the sense that mm. the technology exists. Mm. We know from Snowden that, um, you know, everyone was yeah, like that's right. having a go at, yeah, everyone is having a go at say Alex Jones about this police state, this, you know, this um, global yeah. surveillance network. Yeah. I remember looking at the documentaries of like these weird installations in Australia where they'd have like these like networks where the NSA was pushing, you know, all phone conversations were put getting pushed through it. And I was like, that sounds crazy. And then Snowden comes out and goes, yeah, this is true. And we go, all, all of us just go WTF. And not like, not a huge change. We just go, oh, wow, that's a bit messed up. And so, yeah, mm. for that, for him to mm. paint that picture, when you look at the incentive structures that are in place for everyone to do that, and then just to sell a story to us where we comply, this could be round one of a 50 to 100 to 1,000 piece chess move. And we're just at the start of something we, we're just unaware of. And I guess that's some of the narrative mm. that you hear from you know, my, my passionate anti-vax friends, that, that this mm. is just the beginning. I think, and this is, this is this kind of sticky position I, I guess I'm experiencing and I'm wanting any friends of the show as they're listening to experience this like, that spectrum that I talked about at the beginning between like your QAnon, they're sacrificing babies and it's a pedophile cabal at the top, this level conspiracy and then, you know, the other end, like, nah, nah, government's completely fine. There's no problems at all. Everyone lands somewhere along this spectrum. As you and I, Matt, like, we look at these things. Like, I just had a quick Google now because I remember reading something about Australia trialing facial recognition and taking out driver's license databases. And I just had a quick Google and there's like an ABC article. It's a pretty mainstream. Facial surveillance is slowly being trialed around Australia. So I'm like, well, geez, like, you know, it, it, we have our story. And this is, I suppose, the story element of it. I have this story that power can't be trusted. Our governments cannot be trusted. And here are all these points at which, you know, it's all looking hopeless and, and you don't know who to trust. So the only person I can trust is myself. And I've, because I've got that story, oh, I did hear something about facial recognition. I'll look it up. And because I, I'm just gleaning context for everything, I'm just a layman, just scrolling the news and, and kind of flitting through these different worlds. I'm kind of, I have my story now that Robert's given me and I'm picking up pieces that really embolden it, which are true because a lot of the stuff he's talking about is true. And then if I'm honest with myself, I try to fact check this, Matt, as I was like, how am I going to talk about this book? How am I going to give it some kind of synopsis that does it any sort of justice or anything? And Matt, I can't. I literally can't. Like I've mm. got two degrees and I've been to university for like seven years of my life 
And I cannot fact check this. I cannot look at those studies and look at the gritty detail of how that trial was conducted and why I shouldn't trust it because this sample size was this instead of this and they tested this in this condition and this petri dish instead of this. It's beyond me. So I'm just lost in the abyss knowing that the government really can't be trusted but also looking down the pipeline of the QAnon other end being like, I don't want to go there because I'm certain, I'm certain that's not true. Where yeah. do I end up? I'm just... I'm lost, Matt. I'm like, it's, it's, what is it? Like societal deconstruction. I've deconstructed yeah. my trust in government and I am alone and lost. And it is scary. A hundred percent. I mean, the last few years for me has been huge as I've, I've interviewed some of these, you know, top scientists and I'm not saying these aren't conspiracy people. These are actual scientists in their field. And I've interviewed them mm -hmm. about, you know, some of these um, phthalate, phthalates, you know, the things that are, that make things smell nice, to fire retardant, to, um, uh, you know, obviously glyphosate, atrazine, um, which was the whole thing of like, remember that clip from Alex Jones just saying, they're making us all gay from the water. Like, um, you know, that, <laughs> Turn that the was the whole, gay. <laughs> it was a Tyrone Hayes. He did a talk, you can find it on TED. Uh, was it a TED talk or a TEDx talk where he spoke about this, that literally the frogs are changing. I've spoken to some doctors that even say a lot of our, um, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, you, there's, some, there's a lot of sexual dysfunction that's happening. Like our sperm counts are dropping. Our fertility rates are dropping. So if you compare the sperm to a, of a male to today's age to 30 or 40 years ago, all the plastics, all like the, you know, these, these things are called endocrine mm. disruptors. So the things that disrupt your hormonal system, which are extremely, extremely sensitive. These things have been leaking into our environment and they've been causing un huge amounts of harm. And so I've spoken to scientists that have actually been, um, this is one lady, she's an extremely smart lady, um, you know, and a champion in this space is as a Linda, I can't pronounce her last name very well, but Linda Burbaum. And she works in a government agency and she was part of this, um, this whole lobbying process to look at BPA. So have you seen like just walking down the aisles, you've seen like BPA free, cans or yeah. you know and just like why is yeah. why is what's wrong so this this bpa thing has been linked to cancer it's been linked to all these problems and basically speaking to the scientists that were on that study and they're presenting study after study after study after study and um there's just too much industry capture basically it's like we need human trials this is the big playbook for the guys that are in these government positions it's like we need a human trial and they're like well that's unethical we can show you animal study after animal study after animal. The same thing happens with glyphosate and they just hide behind where's the human trial? Where's the smoking gun? And this is just held up. So things like lead should have been taken out way earlier. You've got like, it's actually quite disturbing. If you like put your brain into this space, I've got to like temper it because if I go down deep into it and you can see what we're doing to ourselves as a species, it's actually chronically disturbing and governments are really I'm almost powerless to stop it because they're just controlled by these lobbying groups. And so it is, it's an easy place to get to where you're just like anything the government puts out, you can't trust, um, you know, government health guidelines and things like that. You're just like, come on. Like you, you're, you're, you're stumbling over the basics. You know, everyone has the right to clean air and you're stumbling over the fact that coal fired power stations are killing kids and you do nothing about it. You know, it's just one of the many things to talk about. And you can go deep as well into how even fire retardants were allowed in. And um, of course, they've saved lives and contacts, but there's so much data to suggest that they actually impact our bodies. And, are and, I, and I agree with Robert. 
I believe that these chemicals and everything that are in our environment. This is not conspiracy. I'm just trying to back you up in the sense that what Robert's saying and what you're just maybe hinting at is not out of this world conspiracy. It's certainly not. I've, these are mainstream scientists I've spoken to from University of California, government people that work in government agencies, highly educated, you know, super smart people that have done their best, you know, done their best to talk about these chemicals, but they're just silenced. And so it, it is fascinating, dude. So part of me hears this story and I'm like, man, like this, this, ha this has a lot, of the, a lot of these things that I hear about with um, uh, certain chemicals that are just held up in government for so long uh, is unfortunately, yeah, this is all true. This is how it works. So could I stretch that to a vaccine? Of course. And so... Mm. If it's true in this, why not that? You read the book, you're anti-vaxxer, you're not getting your booster. Well, I guess you've had your analog booster. You've already had um, Omicron, so... <laughs> I have. I've, 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 I've triple dosed, but only one with the analog virus, not the digital one. Um, yeah, so I'm curious, like you reading this, and this is us, and I guess our, part of our, our job as a show is to take you along this journey because... Even if you're listening to this right now saying, this is all conspiratorial, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What we want you to do is encounter the information and mm. actually internalize it. And because at the end of the day, these people are your friends. These are people are your family that you're going to interact mm. with and debate with. And at least mm -hmm. to come from an understanding perspective that this isn't just some... Sometimes, I mean, of course, people watch like five-minute things on YouTube <laughs> videos. Like yeah. all the five-minute, yeah. you know, the random like watch this before it's, you know, taken down, before big tech senses it and you've got like a, you know, it just creates, we're not talking about that, we're talking about systemic corruption of our government agencies and um, mm. at least you can come in and meet halfway or understand this to some extent. But for me personally, mm. listening to it, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, let's look at, let's just to back up some of it. We can see that, some of like how the trial was handled by Pfizer is a bit disturbing um, in the sense that, uh, you know, someone came out, one of the people that we worked on it, they came out and they actually, this was picked up by the British Medical Journal and they said, yeah, the trials were a mess, blah, blah, blah. A lot of, uh, speaking of some people mm. that are behind this, I think Robert F. Kennedy, so it was a, uh, a kid that was part of the trial, but they end up paralyzed, um, but Pfizer magically re removed them from the trial um, so, and then you just have like everything, it's all connected to everything bad that's happening at the moment. So someone takes the, the vaccine and they, they unfortunately die. I have someone personally in my network, um, passed away from the vaccine, um, that I grew up with at my old church. So like, it's not, and that was like TGA, you know, Australian therapeutic goods looked into mm. it. Yes. It was a direct causation of it. And so I'm not surprised at all. Like it's, this stuff happens. Mm. It's more the point where we get to where we could never, me, Conrad, could never answer this question for you whether to take a vaccine or not. It's just more... No way. What is, what is, the, what is, the, what is it like? What is this idea? What is it like to wear this idea? And how does it feel? Because this idea is everywhere right now um, amongst our friends and family. So we're going to have to have some form of paradigm to interact with people with it. And we, and we all adopt varying degrees of this idea. We're all on, on the train at least some of the way. And, yeah. and 
I guess the hope is to go, you know, as you're listening, going, you know, I, I am on board with, with some of this stuff and it is compelling and it is a good story. And it, and it, and it plays to like, if you're looking at the environment in which this idea comes to be, it's a very fear-filled environment. Here is this thing that has swept the globe. Every country I can think of in my head had lockdowns. Right, every country. So every country with its different bureaucratic systems and things like that all came to the conclusion this is a serious thing. And so I'm super scared. And then who do I trust? And I turn to my government agency, my democratic institution that is supposed to at its best be set up independently to be separated from personal bias. I turn to the scientific process. That is a nice transparent, oh, we're not sure, we're not sure. We keep learning, we keep learning, we keep moving forward. And I discover geez, I actually know nothing about how the political system works. I know nothing about how the scientific system works. And now I'm being told these two systems that I don't understand at all are wholesale corrupted and I can't even trust any of it. Then I'm left adrift, super scared, don't know who to trust. So I turn to the internet and I find people telling me a really compelling, a really cohesive story that plays to some of the things I know to be true. Honestly, I I think the thing... that I notice is like this, this ridicule of, of the anti-vax, this ridicule of the person who's, oh, I'm a bit hesitant. I don't want to get the vaccine, all that kind of stuff. We're like, oh, what an idiot. Just listen to the science, blah, blah, blah. I guess like, as, as you said, as we try on this idea, if, if, if I come away with nothing else from this book, it's that bloody hell, this is compelling. And I can hmm. see exactly why people are protesting in Canberra. I can see exactly why guys like Robert F. Kennedy think what he's like, given his, you know, journey and experience in environmental law and things like that. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what's happened to my speakers? No, that is the very calculated fade out that I've edited in there because this conversation does continue over for our plus subscriber members. So if you would like to hear the rest of that conversation, get a bunch of bonus content each week, Q and A's with Matt and I connect with us on a, on a private Facebook group, then head over to ideasdigest.org and become a plus subscriber, plus subscriber, or I think I'm going with super friends of the show, become a super friend, support us and help keep the podcast going you can also if you you know don't want to subscribe but you're enjoying it anyway you can buy us a coffee head over just give us a donation whatever throw coins at us we'll we'll take them and if you can't do that for whatever reason it's totally fine just head over to itunes or spotify wherever give us a five star rating because that that also helps so if you if you enjoyed this at all there's a few different ways you can support your favorite show that's us i'm just trying to get that into your mind there favorite show artist digest oh that's right um If it isn't, I hope it will be soon. So thanks for listening to another episode and I will catch you all in the next one.